Welcome to the Bob Harton Show, bringing you news and comment to stay up to date and enjoy life on the Paradise Coast. Now, here's your host, Bob Harton. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. You can find out more by visiting lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon is the director of health studies at the Cato Institute, talking about the impact of this presidency perhaps on health care going forward. Seat Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. We're talking about the idea of term limits to the actually work. And Bill Barnett, a former mayor of Naples, will be joining us talking about the local scene and what's going on. It is January the 28th, and big things happened on this day in 1777. John Burgoyne, a poet, playwright, and British general, submitted an ill-fated plan to the British government to isolate New England from other colonies. Burgoyne's plan revolved around an invasion of 8,000 troops, British troops from Canada, who had moved southward through the New York by way of Lake Champlain and the Mohawk River, taking the Americans by surprise. General Burgoyne believed that his troops could take control of the Hudson River and isolate New England from other colonies, freeing British General William Howe to attack Philadelphia. Fortunately, you'll find, you know, this actually led to France joining us in the uh, American Revolution. General Burgoyne's plan went into effect during the summer of 1777 and was initially a success. The British captured Fort Ticonderoga on June the 2nd. However, the early success failed to lead to victory as Burgoyne overextended his supply chain, which stretched in a long, narrow strip from the northern tip of Lake Champlain south to the northern curve of the Hudson River at Fort Edward, New York. As Burgoyne's army marched south, Patriot militia circled north, cutting the British supply lines. Burgoyne then suffered defeat in Bennington, Vermont, and uh, Bloody Draws and Bemis Heights, New York. On October the 17th, the frustrated Burgoyne retreated 10 miles and surrendered his remaining 6,000 troops to the Patriots at Saratoga. Upon hearing of the Patriot victory, France agreed to recognize the independence of the United States. It was, of course, France's eventual support that enabled the Patriots' ultimate victory. The defeat at Saratoga led General Burgoyne's downfall. He returned to England, where he faced severe criticism and soon retired from active service. Big day on this day in 1777. Well, Dr. Anthony Fauci was asked about the efficacy of wearing two masks to prevent against the spread of coronavirus, and he said it likely does make a difference. This is a physical covering, he said. It prevents droplets and virus to get in. So if you have a physical covering with one layer, you put another layer on, it just makes common sense that it likely would be more effective, and that's why you see people either double masking or doing a version of N95. <laughs> on March the 8th, you may recall, Fauci said there's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little better and it might even block a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think they have, and uh, often they are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask, and they keep touching their face. Unbelievable. This guy, he's, he can't make up his mind what the truth is, but uh, nevertheless, I'm looking at a CDC, uh, control, Center for Contris, uh, Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, he, this is uh, something they say here. Let's see. Non-pharmaceutical measures for pandemic influenza in non-healthcare settings, personal protective environmental measures, disposable medical masks, also known as surgical masks, are loose-fitting devices that were designed to be worn by medical uh, personnel to protect accidental contamination of patient wounds and to protect the wearer from splashes or sprays of bodily fluid. There's a limit. There's limited evidence for their effectiveness in preventing influenza virus Transmission either when it's worn by the infected person for source control or when worn by uninfected persons to reduce exposure. Our systematic review found no significant effect of face masks on transmission, a laboratory-confirmed influenza. That's directly from the CDC. Uh, doctor friend of mine said, you know what, a mask basically is like putting up a chain-link 
fence in order to keep mosquitoes out. That's how effective it is against influenza and against the virus. So interesting. Well, U.S. stocks fell sharply yesterday amid disappointing earnings while concern about heightened speculative training actively deepened. Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 633 points or 2.1%. Its worst day since October the 28th. The S&P dropped even more to 2.6%. Uh, Wednesday's steep losses wiped out the 2021 gains for the S&P 500. It is now down 0.1%. The tech-heavy Nasdaq composite slid 2.6%. Boeing fell 4% after earnings reports showed that it had a net loss of $11.9 billion. That 737 thing is just uh, really hurting them badly. Shares of AMD tumbled more than 6% even after the chipmaker posted revenue earnings that beat Wall Street's already high expectations. So a little profiteering, profiteering going on there. Welcome to an era of Biden prosperity, making moves that hedge against American greatness. That's Joe Biden. We'll find out more about that in just a moment. In the meantime, Reddit shut down its Wall Street Bets subreddit page yesterday afternoon after rookie stock market investors, amateurs in the American general public, joined together to purchase stocks targeted to companies causing a major disruption in the stock market. Now, GameStop, AMC, Bed Bath & Beyond, and other loser types of stocks, these guys bought into it, or women, may have been women too, uh, they uh, started buying the stocks. And uh, the consequence of that is uh, they drove up the price of the stock. Well, uh, the hedge funds were begging against the stock. They sold the stocks short. In other words, they didn't have the stock. They sold it before they owned it, driving up the stock by 300% in some cases. It caused the uh, stock to, uh, to, for them to have to cover their losses. And they took billions and billions of dollars of losses. This is kind of front-running. I wonder if the F- SEC is going to take some action on this. It's kind of interesting story, just uh, getting together in a chat room and driving up the price of stock with no absolutely no reason for uh, for driving it up. AMC, Bed Bath & Beyond, GameStop, they're all loser stocks. Interesting. Well, the Department of uh, Homeland Security issued National Terrorism Advisory System, NTAS, bulletin warning that there is currently a heightened threat environment across the United States that is likely to persist over the coming weeks. This is scary stuff. This is being used as a target against conservatives who speak out. Biden has now weaponized the Department of Homeland Security against conservatives. The scope of the alleged imminent threat outlined in the bulletin are far more detailed than other threat bulletins for actual terrorists who caused the 9-11 attack and the ongoing threat thereafter. Conservatives are now public enemy number one to our new current government and will be treated as actual terrorists. And there's details here when we go go through it, but it's just unbelievable that this is the new situation that we have right now. Uh, Maybe there are terrorists out there that are are conservative. I'm not aware of them. What I see is Antifa and uh, Black Lives Matter. I see a lot of violence coming from the left, not from the right, but nevertheless, This is how they're trying to position it as they have troops in Washington, D.C., and they're starting to pass this nefarious agenda of of, uh, climate change and more. We'll talk about that. President Biden on Wednesday signed executive orders on climate change as he vowed to put the issue at the center of U.S. national security and domestic foreign policy. At a White House ceremony, Biden said the orders would supercharge his administration's plan for dealing with climate change. Today is a climate day. This is a quote. Today is climate day at the White House, which means today is jobs day at the White House, he said, adding that the focus of the administration is American products and health of our families, cleaner water and cleaner air. In my view, he said, we're already waiting too long to deal with this climate crisis and we can't wait any longer. It is time to act, Biden said, as he outlined his executive actions with not the enthusiasm I'm expressing right now. Anyhow, just like we need a unified national response to COVID-19, we desperately need an ununified national response to the climate crisis because there is a climate crisis, he said. He added, I think of the climate, I think of jobs, he said. Biden said, the climate change is a case where conscience and convenience cross paths, saying dealing with the existential threats to the plant and economic growth are one and the same, he said. The president said the U.S. can pull, put millions 
a work is to work modernizing our eater systems, transportations, and energy infrastructure. Eater systems referring to farmlands and so forth. Here's the reality. Every day is a jobs-killing day for the Biden administration. Joe Biden killed tens of thousands of jobs his first day on the job by canceling contracts with Keystone XL Pipeline. He doesn't care about Americans, so he signed more executive orders today that benefit globalists and government's international interests. The executive orders are aimed at tackling climate change, creating jobs, and restoring scientific integrity, whatever that means. John Kerry and the Biden administration's special president envoy for climate, that's John Kerry, had a message to employed, unemployed oil and gas workers. He said, make solar panels. Well, that's real helpful. Joe Biden walked away when a reporter asked him about the sacrifice he's asking American workers to make. He just walked away. The Biden White House called a travel photo lit at 2.05 p.m., the earliest one since Biden was sworn into office. They signed three dozen executive orders in the first week in office as the military occupies D.C. and the media cheers. It's real unfortunate uh, what, what we're seeing right now. Uh, I've called uh, the Biden administration a hedge against American greatness, and all the things that he's doing right now are beginning to sit, create problems with the economy, and uh, the markets are showing that, unfortunately. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Find out more by visiting lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And right now, Love Letters is playing through the 30th uh, at uh, Gulf Shore Playhouse. Love Letters by starring Maureen Silliman and William Parry, two great actors. Get tickets by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He's Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw. 
Heath is a co-founder of a terrific organization. He and Pastor Rick have done a great job of building influence in uh, Florida. It's called Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith Flaw, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell our listeners about the Florida uh, Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a grassroots coalition, uh, 501c3 not-for-profit. Uh, we focus uh, exclusively on trying to improve K-12 through education uh, here in Florida. Uh, to thus, that means uh, you know, promoting the various scholarships that we have to give kids an opportunity to get a better education, uh, oftentimes in some of the private schools. Uh, we also are strong, strong advocates for getting rid of the indoctrination uh, that's in our school systems, and we've done a lot of work in that area. Yeah, and uh, the work you're doing is more important today than ever. As of course, uh, we've seen that uh, the president has withdrawn the 1776 uh, proposal or uh, administration that was set up by President uh, Trump. So right now, we need uh, the shelter of the work that the Florida Citizens Alliance is doing with great contacts up in Florida, up in Tallahassee. Well, we certainly do our best. We're working on a number of bills, uh, one of which we wrote, uh, which is uh, to trying to deal with uh, uh, the, the pornography that's in our schools. Uh, that was filed in the, in the Senate, and uh, I think we're days away from getting it filed in the, the House. That's great. Uh, so that's one of the bills that uh, we're going to be strongly supporting. The Parents' Rights Bill uh, has been filed uh, by one of our local legislators, um, uh, Rodriguez, uh, Ray Rodriguez in the, in the Senate, and Aaron Grawl uh, in the House. And that bill will, I think that bill has really good chances this year. It moved easily through the House last year and was killed by a Republican none, none, nonetheless in the Senate. But uh, he's no longer there, and Rodriguez is a great champion. So I'm excited about that bill. Fabulous. Well, there's... Uh, there's a new one on the horizon we just learned, literally learned about last night. <laughs> Spent last night uh, reading a 158-page bill that's being, uh, it's in its first committee meeting, the Education Committee on next uh, February 3rd. Mm. Uh, we, we will be getting an action alert out. It does some good things. Uh, we've been hearing for some time that they were going to be uh, consolidating a couple of these scholarships, which we would have been very, and expanding them a bit, which we were very supportive of. But in the process of making the sausage, uh, the, the language in the bill just outright kills the Hope Scholarship, which is, uh, we think, a travesty to parents because it takes away the parents' right to determine what's threatening to their child. And it puts the hands back in, uh, you know, the decision back in the hands of the government. And yeah. uh, we just think that's wrong. So um, we're going to be putting out position papers on that uh, over the next couple of days and urging all of our, our all of our supporters and hopefully some of your listeners to help us fight this absolutely why does uh, does well you said though expands uh, uh, scholarships in other areas does it encompass what the uh, hope scholarship covered or it, this it takes the, it takes parts of the hope scholarship and moves them into the family empowerment scholarship but it puts it under the umbrella umbrella that now it's only available to low income families ah uh. Um, Not for bullying, then, which is what the Hope Scholarship or, or other types of problems right. in school. So that's so interesting. I hopefully you can you're able to save that. Uh, what are the what are the possibilities of amending uh, th the legislation uh, at this point? Uh, I, I mean, Manny Diaz, Senator Diaz, is running the bill. Um, he's clearly doing that with uh, leadership support in the in the Senate. Uh -huh. uh, what we're, you know, our only hope, and Rick and I have already talked about it this morning. Our only hope is to raise enough uh, concern over the discriminatory aspects of this, because it really discriminates against, against everybody who's not low income, mostly minority. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so, uh, uh, I would hope that we could get enough uh, focus on it, and, and particularly in the House, to to set that back out of sight, set that scholarship out of sight. All right, so for our yeah. listeners' benefit, I just encourage you to uh, send a note saying we, we don't want to lose the HOPE scholarship. We understand it's in jeopardy because of new positive legislation for school choice or parental choice. But the issue is that uh, right now the HOPE scholarship provides for any student in public schools that is bullied or in, in some way threatened. Uh, the parents can simply uh, ask for or sign up for the HOPE scholarship 
It's not reviewed by a committee or a principal or any school board. It's automatic that they have the right to uh, make a different choice, go to another school or a private school if they wish. So uh, it would be a big loss. And, of course, not just low-income people, but anybody that's in that situation. So uh, we should all write to our congressmen, uh, state senators, and state house representatives and ask them to keep it afloat. Well, Bob, we make that very easy. If they just subscribe to us, they'll get an action alert that that tells them all about the bill, gives them a suggestion about what to say, and with one push of the button, they will be able to tell every one of those committee members on Wednesday to not vote for it and why. Wow, excellent. And uh, we go just go to the website to sign up? Just go to the website and subscribe, and by, and by definition, then you'll get uh, our action alerts. GoFLCA.com. GoFLCA.com is the website. Keith, uh, you've got a big event coming up on the 10th of February. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, we're excited about that. It's our annual event at the Naples Grand. Uh, We're impacted a little bit by COVID. Uh, Last year, your listeners remember we did the Bongino event with over 500 people. This is just targeting 250 people. Uh, We have uh, three dynamic speakers. Uh, General Jerry Boykin, um, whom most people might not recognize by name, but he was the Delta Force commander for uh, Black Hawk Down and rose to be a three-star general until Obama relieved him. Um, Senator Jim DeMint, uh, and, and many of your listeners will recognize that name. And then Alveda King, who's uh, Martin Luther King's niece. And we've asked them all to address um, uh, school choice, their support for school choice, but to, to uh, give us the insights of their background, you know, their, their individual life stories and, and uh, how education uh, played a role in where they are. Yeah, so. absolutely. It sounds, sounds like a great event. Again, goflca.com is the website. Sign up. We're going. We're looking forward to it, and it's going to be a terrific event, but most importantly, supports the great work that the Florida Citizens Alliance is doing through the leadership of Keith and his uh, partner, uh, Pastor Rick Stevens. Keith, I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, have a terrific week, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Michael Cannon. He is uh, the Health Studies Director at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in the commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Uh, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. Michael is the director of health studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. Always a pleasure. Tell us about the Cato Institute. The Cato Institute is a think tank in Washington, D.C. We're a libertarian think tank, which means we advocate for individual liberty in all things. Uh, we are neither uh, left nor right, Republican nor conservative. In fact, we try to hold both parties accountable for the ways that they infringe on our liberties and push them each in the direction of protecting individual liberty rather expanding rather than expanding government control over our lives. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. Wow, check it out, really robust website, a lot of information. So, uh, Michael, right now, uh, we're seeing a diminishing uh, effect of coronavirus here. There's, in other words, the story is very confusing right now. What the heck is going on down in the Collier County? Uh, they're not even reporting cases, which remains, <laughs> means it's bad news for the press. They're trying to uh, wave the, uh, the pandemic of fear. And right now, the information isn't supporting that. What's going on across the nation? So there has been a, a slight drop in the number of cases, which is very promising. Uh, at the same time, there are concerning indicators like the, uh, the variants or mutations of the virus that have appeared in the United Kingdom uh, and in South Africa. These do appear to be more highly transmissible versions of the virus. And so if they come here... It, uh, the the drop off in uh, cases may not be sustainable. Uh, we may need to take even more uh, uh, precautionary measures to prevent those much more highly transmissible viruses from causing caseloads to increase. And there are also some concerning signs that those, not definitive evidence yet, but concerning signs that those variants might be more resistant to uh, the vaccines that have been developed so far uh, and might be uh, not only more transmissible, but also more virulent, more deadly. Yeah. And so uh, there's good news and bad news here. Uh, I think the most important thing for everyone to do is to keep being safe and maintaining distance from each other, wearing masks until we can get more people vaccinated. That's the, that's, that's the prime directive right now is to get more vaccines produced and get them into more, more shots into people's arms. Because even if, even with the uh, data that we have right now about the new variants, it does appear that the vaccines will be somewhat effective against the new variants, just, uh, perhaps slightly less effective. Uh, but that's, but that is still very uh they'll still be effective enough that it'll be very important for people yeah. to get back so you know that usually don't viruses uh, they they tend to mutate and change and uh, as typically viruses but they become less virulent less destructive uh, over time isn't that usually the pattern that is and re because remember if a virus is too deadly then it won't pass from person to person uh, if it's too deadly, then it just kills the host and doesn't get to uh, uh, hop around and uh, and and uh, colonize other other organisms. But what makes this virus so troubling is that it does have such a long period where a carrier can be asymptomatic and contagious. Yeah, and so so this is. Uh, Mutations of this virus are a little more troubling than they might be of something that is less contagious and uh, and less deadly. Uh, it takes a lot of uh, things to line up in order to create a highly transmissible and deadly virus, and a lot of them lined up with this one. Most of the mutations that you'll see probably will not make it more uh, transmissible or more deadly, 
but that doesn't mean that none of them will. So I see I see two things happening. Number one, people that are fearful and uh, want to get vaccinated, they're <laughs> frustrated right now because and losing patience because of what they have difficulty getting in line to do it uh, here in Florida, I should say, perhaps not around the country. But uh, that's happening here. Uh, the other thing that's happening, though, is what I'm going to call herd immunity. We now have uh, over 26,000 cases, positive cases here in Collier County, population of about 350,000 folks. My guess is about uh, those have tested, it's probably six to eight times more people who have been exposed to and Maybe have be asymptomatic with coronavirus, so it may be that herd immunity plus the vaccination is going to uh, settle us down here. I think that the vaccination is uh, the vaccination is one way to preach what we call herd or population immunity. Mm-hmm. The other way, of course, is for people to get infected, uh, and the vaccine I think is a much preferable route to that to that not only that goal, but that ultimate end state, which is uh, that uh, uh, enough people have resistance uh, to the virus that the virus is a very hard time being passed around. Uh, and so uh, I'm not, I don't think that we're near herd immunity yet. Uh-huh. Certainly everyone who gets vaccinated uh, uh, protects themselves and potentially shuts off a vector of transmission. So it is incredibly important to do that, but uh, I, the the public health officials who are looking at this have said herd immunity may not happen until later this year, uh, perhaps so, over the summer. Yeah. Uh, but now that said, that doesn't mean that we have to uh, live the same way we have lived for the past year uh, until then. Mm-hmm. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention are advocating opening schools, yeah. advocating that you can do that safely. That yeah. is, uh, and that that is crucially important. As the parent of three elementary school children, <laughs> I think that's incredibly important. I can yeah. see the difference that not being, not having in-person instruction is making in children's lives. Uh, so uh, even if we don't get population immunity uh, by uh, the end of by the beginning of the next school year or even the end of this school year, that we can start making some changes. Yeah. And the public health experts say that's one we should be doing. Yeah, well, brick-and-mortar schools are open in Florida. That's a mandate from the uh, Commissioner of Education here in Florida. So uh, 80% of the kids in, in Florida, here in Collier County, I should say, uh, are actually in brick-and-mortar schools and with very, very little uh, infection or uh uh, you know, events occurring as a result of coronavirus. Right now, the president of the United States has uh, said that the, the president Trump did not have a plan, and now he has a plan. When he came in and said, "Now there's nothing we can do about <laughs> about it," are you seeing any kind of positive changes under this administration? Uh, I do like that the public health officials are able to speak more freely. If you recall, President Trump took to the lectern at the beginning of the pandemic, and I think he sowed uh, vastly more confusion and muddied the message uh, on public health. I do wish Joe Biden would do the same. I wish he would uh, he would allow public health officials to uh, to make recommendations without him muddying the waters by saying there's nothing we can do between now and or, you know nothing we can do to change the course of the virus over the next few months. You know, I Michael, I must, the, I must say, Michael, that uh, uh, I'll just speak of Fauci as an example. I mean, I'm losing confidence in anything they have to say. And Fauci's changed his mind about what, what's best for us so many different times that I almost dismiss anything he has to say. He started off in March saying, you don't need a mask. Uh, just <laughs> yesterday, say, you know, if one mask is good, maybe two masks is better. I, I tell you, he's a... Uh, I, I, I'm not sure that uh, public health officials, we should actually listen to ourselves, quite frankly. Uh, if uh, we all know our individual health, we know our situation, and we should make determinations of what we should do, not health officials. That is, there's, there's certainly merit in that, and there have been confusing signals from public health officials because they're not perfect either. Right. Uh, I, the, part of the confusion over masks was, if you recall, there were were concerns about a shortage of the very high-end masks right. that, uh, that that healthcare workers use, and public health officials were trying to uh, prevent a run on those masks so they would be available 
for yeah. for and I uh, get healthcare the, workers. I get the now, mo- now that doesn't mean that they handled it in the in, yeah. in the best way. But, I think that they were not trying to deceive. Uh, but my he, Michael, uh, yeah, have, here's here's the situation though, Michael. That was the situation they're concerned about a shortage for public for healthcare workers. So why tell the public that you don't need a mask? Why not tell them we're concerned about a shortage and we don't want you to get a mask yet? I mean, uh, w- 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 <laughs> no, I, I totally, I totally agree. There was some messaging along those lines, but but I, my criticism of the president uh, of this president and the previous president is that uh, uh, they're probably going to do a worse job than the public health officials of so trying to send out a clear message about what the evidence says and what. Yeah individual Americans can do in order to reduce the risk for themselves and for others uh, because they're so tempted to politicize things and put their own interests ahead of the, uh, of the, yeah. uh, of, of the nations. And that doesn't mean that the public health officials are perfect. Yeah, I would much rather a situation where they have, uh, where they get the lectern and the president monitors them and makes sure that they're not deceiving the American people. And if they are, yanks them, you know, yanks Fauci or anyone else and puts, uh, someone hopefully more reliable in that person's place. Michael, thank you. Uh, Listen, yeah. as usual, we've run out of time before we run out of things to talk about. So, <laughs> but I genuinely appreciate your coming on the show. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Anytime, Bob. Have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I had you want to do a little shout out to Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Do a great job for breakfast or lunch, and I hope you'll patronize uh, the Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Uh, right now, we have the Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. So tell us about less government. Well, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government. And any government that's unilaterally signing executive orders to kill jobs is not less government. Oh, my goodness. I, I can't even believe what's going on right now. No expo- no reasonable explanation of what's going on. Actually, <laughs> going to create millions. Remember when I warned you that we were finished? <laughs> yes. This is what I meant. Uh, Seton, listen to so you wrote about term limits actually make things worse 
And, of course, that's what Ted Cruz, our senator from Texas, is advocating. He wants to have term limits. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, obviously I appreciate the sentiment behind it, but I, I think he knows better. I think this is positioning for 2024 Republican presidential primaries. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two things mainly wrong with term limits. One is uh, you're replacing old Nancy Pelosi's with young Nancy Pelosi's. Mm-hmm. How, what, what does that accomplish? Mm-hmm. And two, what you're really in doing is accidentally over-empowering career Hill staffers. That's right. Who aren't elected and don't have term limits, and they run the show already as it is. Right. And now you're going to have some freshman congressman with a chief of staff who's been on the Hill for 40 years. Right. They don't just lobby the congressman, they lobby the staff. Yeah. Let, me tell, you, let me tell you how things work around here. The congressman. Yeah. So it, it's a bad idea. It, it, it makes things worse. Plus, and he should know this too, being the constitutional person he is, we had to amend the Constitution to limit terms for the president. We should, we probably have to limit, uh, amend the Constitution to limit terms for congressmen. So uh, aside from that, it's a great idea. Yeah, well, um, you're right about that. I'd like to just underscore what you said about staff, because if you have new folks, elected officials coming in, it's the staff that sticks around, and uh, they get their own ideas about how things should work, and they actually coach teach, mentor uh, the new people coming in. and yeah, The other- congressmen don't write the bills anymore. Yeah, the know. staff do in conjunction with lobbyists. Exactly. So yeah. here's, the, here's the other concern, too. Uh, you know, So we get good people going to Congress, and uh, I've always been pleased seeing some of the people that go, but unfortunately they don't want to stick around. They leave after a term or two. It's the, it's the ones that are crooks who are gangsters that, that stay there <laughs> for an extended well, period of time. Well, but all you're doing, I mean, if you're churning them all out, yeah. All you're doing is creating more lobbyists more rapidly. Yeah. I mean, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, they're out of Congress. What are they going to do? I mean, Mike Conaway, who was a, I knew him because a buddy of mine ran his first campaign in 2004 in, out of, um, I think, Waco, Texas. Uh, he's, he's from a very conservative district. He was never, I mean, he was decently conservative in Congress. And he just decided not to run this past year, so he left in, you know, in January. And he's already set up a, a uh, lobby shop with his former chief of staff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and he's, he's a Republican. He's a conservative. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, and we'll just get that more frequently, you know, if we, if we churn these people out every six years. Um, the, 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 the solution you're looking for in the House is we have to and we have to fix gerrymandering. We have to end gerrymandering, mm-hmm. which is the Congress or elected officials drawing the congressional districts in these absurd, you know, petri dish looking districts. To you know, they're choosing us. We're not choosing them. That's right. And you know, they're 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 packing Republicans in this district and removing Democrats, or packing Democrats in this district and removing Republicans. Um, you know, I live in Maryland. My house is in a county that is voted 75% for the Republican governor, and I'm in Democrat Majority Leader Steny Hoyer's district mm. because they, they wanted to carve some Republicans out and, and stick them somewhere where they wouldn't do any damage to Democrats. Yeah. Maryland is so gerrymandered, there's one Republican in the entire congressional delegation. Yeah. So... What I want to do, remember the old overhead projectors with the wax pencils and the clear plastic? Sure. Just place a grid over the, ma- over the, over the map. Yeah. And say, this, this, this rectangle's a district, and this rectangle's a district. You know, 80-plus percent of the congressional districts are 60-plus percent partisan. Right. Which means there's never any contest in the general election. It's whoever wins the primary. So we have these 80% of Congress is hyper-partisans, and then we blankly stare at D.C. and go, gee, I wonder why it's so partisan in D.C. Yeah, that's we've a, drawn the map that way for 50 years. That's a great idea, and I haven't, hadn't thought about it in that way, but actually if you had 
uh, a blind application of the carving up the districts in each state, then you would have actual elections for uh, based on what the people really want, as opposed to having politicians say, "Look, I'm going to create a district that will always elect me." <laughs> that's, that's what's going well, on. Uh, they say they want bipartisanship when eighty percent of the districts are overwhelmingly partisan. Yeah. How can you get the bipartisanship? Why would anyone in Texas's first congressional district, represented by Louis Gohmert, who I like a lot, and I know from when he ran in '04 for the first time, he's a former judge. His his district is like seventy percent Republican. Yeah. So how is he going to? You know, if <laughs> there's no way he's going to be called on to be bipartisan from his district. Pelosi's never going to be partisan or bipartisan because her district is like eighty-two percent Democrat. Yeah. You, you know the, 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 you'll ne- that, that's never going to happen under the current circumstances, and and so you know, and, and then every ten years we freak out about who controls how many state legislatures because then they redraw the maps after the census in these ridiculous you know things. Um, when Texas was redistricted in '04, when I was there, they had to redo it again in '04 because the judge said they didn't do it. You know, they did it. A leftist judge didn't like how the Republicans did it, yeah. so they had to redo it. They drew what what are called fajita strip districts. There are these like three or four or five districts I can't remember that touch on South Austin because they were trying to divide up the Democrats in Austin, and they go all the way to the Mexican border from Austin. If you That's could, about a three-hour drive. If you could, be- <laughs> if you could believe this, uh, there is a district uh, in right now here in Collier County that includes Immokalee that goes all the way to the east coast of Florida. Immokalee <laughs> is very far away from the east coast of Florida. Uh, it, um, certainly, it certainly is. Anyhow, uh, you know, it's just, it's just incredible. The question- and, re- and real quick in the Senate... The Seventeenth Amendment has to be repealed. Yeah, which 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 created the direct election of senators, and they used to be picked by the state legislatures. That serves several important purposes. One, it kept a tether. You know, it kept the states an important player rather than a diminutive player to the federal government. Right. And two, it created a, voting for them rather than having the legislatures pick them unfunded mandates. Obamacare never would have passed. With the seven, without the 17th Amendment, because they would have dumped all this mandatory spending on state legislatures without any money, yeah. and then gone back to the state legislatures they just dumped on and said, would you please reelect me to, to the Senate? It wouldn't happen. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, we did have very crooked legislatures, one of the reasons that uh, started that 17th Amendment. But the point is, it took, it took our senators uh, away from their constituents and put them more on the national scene. It's just... It turned the Senate into another uh, into another House of Representatives. That's right, exactly right. Seat might and that's why they're talking about it into the filibuster is because they're trying to turn it more into another House of Representatives. Exactly. Seat Miley is the founder and president of Less Government. I hope you'll visit lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seaton, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we'll visit with uh Former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity maximize your tax deduction support your favorite charity and help a local child in need by calling naples auto donation center naples auto donation center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer just call nadc at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there you get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by nadc goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Hartley. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Bill. Well, thank you, Bob. My, I don't know, can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Can you hear me, Bill? Um, I'm going to try and crank the volume up here. How's that? Well, I can hear you fine, Bill. There we go. Uh, all right, good. So I, w- I called your number. I had a scare because all of a sudden this number is no longer in service. <laughs> so you dialed the wrong one. <laughs> I must have dialed the wrong number. Anyhow, it's great to have you on the show. Well, thanks. Yeah, Sonny, good scoop. What's going on? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Um, the uh, there, I don't know if you've seen in the, in the paper or not, but you know we worked really really hard getting the beach club. You know the the, the uh, you know the renovation of the beach club and yes. the it's going to be a world class resort. I mean we don't have to rehash that, and it's all done. I mean the the plans are done. Uh, the they're they're getting ready to uh, to move. Um, I think in May and get things started. So all of a sudden this group appears. There's a, a, a woman and a few of her cronies, and they decide that the beach club tennis, little tennis club there, should remain uh, open to the public. And she came down to city council, and I guess she's got some petition signed, and she's doing basically the same thing that they did with the ethics stuff and everything else. They were just sending, you know, bringing out petitions saying, please save Naples and save our beach club and whatever. And so... The only thing with this group is, and there was a, a big article in the paper the other day, how they're going to they're gonna preserve, they're going to whatever. They left one thing out, Bob. Huh. It's private property. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 so, it, so, it, it is. This has, this has to be the side of politics that you're happy you've left. I mean, I, I, the, uh, the insane behavior... Uh, go, and I, this discussion, it is private property that's already been approved. I mean, you're, you're kind of uh, opening the barn door after the horses have already left. Uh, this happened also with with the airport and, uh, you know, the complaints and complaints and complaints. Every, you know, sure. Every, everybody is, uh, everybody's got an opinion. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, you know, to... to to, to start stirring up the pot. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, of course, the Naples Daily News puts an article in there and runs a whole thing, you know, when we got swept out of office and the changes that are being made and everything. Meanwhile, our, our wonderful mayor is uh, out in Vail, Colorado, skiing in the middle of the season. Uh, I, I, I did maybe some things I shouldn't have done when I was uh, a council person, like taking an extra week during the summer or whatever it is. But I'll tell you what, I never would leave Naples, Florida, in, in I would never leave our city in the middle of the tourist season. So yesterday, I understand they had to send a letter to DeSantis, and since she didn't know how to send an elect- electronic letter from Colorado, the vice mayor had to send it. So it's like, um, <laughs> it never stops, Bob. It, it never stops. It never stops, indeed. I recall when you were mayor, there was a concern that you were out of town, that we had to have somebody in charge when you were... <laughs> <laughs> in the city limits, I mean the absurdity of, uh, of this whole thing is just amazing. Oh, we had we had some laughs over that one. I'm yeah. telling you what. As soon as I cross the county line, it's like they need to have somebody here. It's like um, th- that was just another one of those um, uh, one of those things that somebody that pops into somebody's head and does and they don't do any research on it and uh, know how well we're covered. But um, anyway, so that's what's going on in the uh, in the city yeah. and. Um, Seems like the vaccinations are moving along. Did you get your vaccination? Yeah. Well, we, we, got, we got our first one, and we'll be getting our second one uh, in a week. So uh, as a private citizen, you probably had to get on the phone or get in to go to the computer. How'd you end up getting your appointment? Well, I, I, I got them because I know Bob and Linda Harden, and I called <laughs> them, and they immediately got me in. <laughs> I don't think so, Bill. <laughs> I want your listeners to be calling you in, calling in me this morning. Hey, Bob, get me on the list. No, that's not true. Yeah. I, um, we were lucky. We just we, we, we happened to hit one of the spots that worked when Baker Hospital 
was 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 taking applications or whatever. We we got it at the at the tail end. We just happened to connect and they had run out, but they said we will call you back because we have another batch and you're on the list. And sure enough, two days later, we got a call back. We we went down. They gave us a time to come down. We did, and then at that time, they gave us a card saying, "Here's your date for your second shot." And uh, so great. we'll be going down to get them. But we were just. It was luck of the Irish, I guess, and I'm not Irish. So no, know. you know, but uh, there's a, a lot of frustration about these vaccines. Quite frankly, I mean, at least. I, I mean, the, I think the President Trump did a great job with his Operation Warp Speed. He got the vaccines done in months as opposed to years. And uh, right now, people are just demonstrating so little patience about this whole thing. My goodness, there's more demand than there is supply. So, hey, just cool your jets, uh, make your calls, try to get in line, and uh, you'll get vaccinated. Well, and Bob, the, I, th- I think the bottom line there is that they've said, and they said it numerous times, uh, Governor DeSantis and some of the others said that, um, and, and on the national news as well, that by summertime, anybody that wants to get one will be able to get one. And I see that, uh, that they're ramping up the, uh, the uh, amounts in, in by millions right. in the next couple of weeks. So um, I think everybody that, that's involved is doing whatever they can. And I feel I'm... I feel bad for the senior citizens uh, that, you know, they had a thing on the news last night about this woman that was trying and trying and trying and trying. But like you said, you just got to keep at it. I mean, Publix is now involved. Amazon Amazon is going to be involved. Um, they're opening up big facilities where you can go get the shot. So I, I think it's just a little bit more patience. And I can understand the angst and the frustration. Uh, I mean, I'm a real senior citizen so i i just felt lucky but you know didn't use any juice or anything so you know not that i have any left i'd have to ask you (laughs) (laughs) it's so interesting well in my opinion i think the best thing that people can do is actually uh demonstrate an attitude of gratitude just uh really understand that you have your health uh, that everything is you know just I think the best is just make sure your immune system is working properly, and the best way to do that is not to be angry and upset, but to be cool and uh, great, grateful. Yes, and and um, I, I mean it's very difficult to do. It's just we're in a frustrating, we're in a frustrating time. Let's face it, yeah. well, and and we all know it, but we're going to make the best of it. That's it. You well, know what I'm saying? I do, and indeed, when I was downtown, I drove through uh, downtown on Fifth Avenue South and Third Avenue. It is booming. I mean, folks are down. <laughs> this, this, yeah. this is a great season, I think. What, what are you hearing? Uh, absolutely. And, you, and like you said, you don't have to hear it. You can see it. Yeah. I mean, the traffic is, is, the traffic is, is here. Um, people are, are eating in the restaurants, and they're yep. taking food out, and they're, and the, the, they're busy shopping. And um, so it, it really is. I mean, um, yes, we're wide open, but I think people are being are being cautious. I see a lot of masks. uh, um, And um, uh, we are having a busy season, uh, much to the surprise of many people. Yeah, you know, it's it's great to see. And uh, I just know the people up in New York and other places, Wisconsin, they're they're not experiencing the freedom that we have here in Florida. I'm just really grateful for Governor Ron DeSantis and the decisions he's made. Uh, And right now we're experiencing less infection, less people in the hospital than most other states per 100,000 of a population. So, uh, yeah, appreciate his leadership. He's 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 done a great job. I I, I really think he has. And he stays on it, which is which is really good. And, you know, you mentioned New York. It's like we have very good friends up there that own businesses. And I don't think they own them anymore Mm -hmm. um, because they lost them. Um, And it's just very sad to see because. If you if you're going to compare the bottom lines, uh, if they had if if they if New York had done what we had done, they wouldn't be any worse off. That's you know a, what I mean? I certainly and do. The economy would have would have would have survived. Grateful to be in Naples, Bill Barnett again, former mayor of Naples. Mayor Bill, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, my pleasure. Have a great week, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Look forward to it. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. Learned a lot. And uh, we have a great show lined up for tomorrow. We're going to visit with uh, William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll always look forward to talking to him about current events. Dave Beagle is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Uh, Byron Donalds, our U.S. representative, is going to take some time to visit with us, and I'm just genuinely appreciative of that. He's, boy, he's up there at the cauldron. 
uh, with a lot going on. Look forward to hearing his comments. And then Kelly Apfel is going to be joining us. She's with the uh, Midwest uh, Food Bank, uh, for example, providing about 70% of the food to the uh, St. Matthew's House. In any event, uh, they do just important work for the for the needy, and we'll find out about that from Kelly as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.